Hello, this is Black Country Blokes Chewing the Fat. Listen, listen, listen. I've been hearing a lot lately about men don't talk. But in my experience, men do talk, just people aren't listening. So it's going to be me and a group of blokes discussing our struggles and victories through life. Warning, there may be some bad language, so apologies to all the moms, especially on my own. Let's get going. Listen, listen, listen. Today, it's just me, Kev Dillon, and Lee Cadman. Unfortunately, the other two blokes couldn't be here today. Bloody part-timers, are they? Today, what we're going to be talking about is two sides of the same coin. Me being um, visually impaired from the age of three years old through viral meningitis, and Lee Cadman, who's got a disabled daughter. So it's going to be our conversation about one child having disabilities and the other a father having a child with disabilities. Most of my life I've struggled with the fact, but I never considered up until I was a father myself how hard it must have been on my mum and dad. So this is going to be two sides of the same coin. So Lee, um, would you like to go into the details of Little Colour Rose about how you found out she was poorly and exactly what's wrong with her? So Colour's got a, a rare form of epilepsy called Dravet syndrome, or Dravet as um, us unposh people call it, and how it's spelt. Um, she also, adding to that, has global development delay, um, stage one kidney failure, lung issues. There's there's quite a whole whole range of uh, of, of issues now, um, which has led to last year of being in hospital um, in an induced coma for, for almost two months. Um, and we found out really, um, we, we, she, she had um, bronchiolitis when she was roughly six months old and, and um, this caused us, caused a hospital visit. Because your other kids had to go into hospital through bronchiolitis. Exactly the same reason. They, they went in at roughly the same age as, uh, as Calla did um, so we kind of thought nothing of it. We thought uh, a couple of days of antibiotics, and she'll be she'll be back to to normal, back or healthy, you know, back. But uh, while she was there, she had a had a seizure, and at the time it was put to having a high temperature, and again nothing was really thought of it. Uh, a few days later, we, she was she was she was healthy and everything was fine, and we went on holiday, um, and we were lucky really because one of her triggers for her epilepsy is heat, and and we went abroad to a hot country, um, and luckily while we were there, nothing happened. But uh, as time went on, she started having strange movements in her arms uh, and in her legs. Um, which and she was six months old, was she? Yeah, she was six months, and it was kind of uh, the movements were kind of like um, like you were cold, I suppose, and you were shivering. And we put it down to that, to be totally honest. Again, we thought, oh, she's just a bit cold. Let's warm her up. She's shivering, um, but but it was getting more regular. And you think, well, she's not she's not shivering no more. There's something happening. So we we took a recording, and my sister's a nurse, and we sent that recording to my sister, and she she then went to um, to people in the know basically doctors and said what do you think of this and they said basically get her checked out at that age though because they're so young they can't describe can they, they you, as a parent you're just worried anyway yeah. about anything abnormal and it must be petrifying it, it is very 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 petrifying and that doesn't stop because now she's she's almost five five in October but she she's not verbal um, she screams with excitement but there's no there's no words there's no communication all but in her eyes really and and we know 
through movements he makes kind of what she wants and what she doesn't want but there's no actual communication um how is she uh, i i know of her and i've met her a few times but can you explain to everyone like the physical side effects of a condition uh, so physically she's in a wheelchair um she can crawl she can sit she she, she keeps her head up fine there's possibility that she will walk but it will be on her terms and whether she can stay well enough to have the strength to do that uh it's, it's, but she's a happy child and really that's that's all all you can ask for she's very happy and, and outgoing because i know she has to be fed for a tube and i know you've had no end of troubles with that have you yeah so she's fred fred excuse me fed into a, a duodenum, um, so it goes into a stomach and then into a small intestine. Um, uh, yeah, and she's fed on an eight-hour cycle doing that. So no, when she was trying to be orally fed, it keep going into um, her lungs, didn't it? Yeah, so that that was um, a major cause of her being in, that's been a major cause throughout her life of her being in uh, hospital. She's, she's either been sick and it's gone down the wrong way and sat in her lungs and made her poorly and led on to sepsis and things along that line. Uh, she was on a permanent oxygen, um, but the last four or five months she's she's come off that and it's only used now in uh, emergencies. Uh, so yeah, that's been a major cause of, of problems, um, but hopefully solved at this point. That's the thing, isn't it? When, when you're a parent, to anyone out there, there is a daddy or a mommy or a nanny and a granddad. You spend your whole life worrying about stuff and it's so easy not so difficult, sorry, not to be at the doctors every time they, they're crying or they've got a tummy ache because children don't explain. Yeah, and Keller again has a really high pain threshold. So she broke a leg and we weren't aware at all that she'd done that. Um, it was only after uh, over a week that she got out to go crawling and she 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 broke a leg just above her knee and she um, put a, a knee down and then she she started whimpering not even crying not not like a cry like if I broke my arm or you know it's painful you you you'd have tears it was a whimper and that was the only reason we got her checked out and even at that point we had you know we was trying to find what was wrong so we had her on the back and was moving her arms and her legs and uh, moving everything around and there was no sign of pain at all. Um, she's also had uh, pancreatitis, uh, and again, there was no signs of pain leading up to that, and that led that led to a, a lung spell in hospital in the end, um, because it, it was getting worse, and we weren't aware that it was getting worse. Such a brave little character, isn't she? She is. She is, definitely. But this is why me and Lee today, because it's just the two of us, and we were saying about different things, and I said, wouldn't it be an interesting topic? Seeing, as I say, the same coin from different sides. With me, I had viral meningitis when I was three and a half years old, back in 87. And mum had been taking me to the doctors uh, for a few weeks and they said it was the flu and it was glandular fever. And it wasn't until I went into a coma and I was rushed into hospital where they found out it was viral meningitis. And what had happened, when I woke up from a coma, I was completely blind. But... Um, doctors how it was back then didn't pick up that I was blind and I was moaning a lot and what had happened was the meningitis had turned into optic neurosis it's a big word I understand but it basically means where it rots the optic nerve so my eye is perfect and the brain is perfect but it's like if you haven't put the scart lead into the TV properly the pictures flickering and distorted and my eyes were supposed to come back at six years old 
But because of the neglect, the optic nerve had rotten severely, so my eyes won't come back. I'm completely blind in my left eye, and I have about 7% in my right eye. But through my life, as I said in the intro, I only focused on my own struggles, as a child does. And it wasn't until I had Jasmine four years ago that I started thinking, well, how, how hard it must have been for my dad and my mum, who were there, and I've achieved so much... But I imagine at the time, my parents were thinking, well, is his whole life ruined? Will he be able to do this? Will he ever be able to have a partner? Will he ever be able to do normal stuff? That's why I thought today it'd be a good time to have a talk about it. And it's tough being the one, and it's hard. It's tough being either sides of the coin, I imagine. That's what I'm trying to say. I mean, uh, I can only see it from my side and I'd do anything to take that away from my daughter. Um, and I've no doubt you, you'd be in the same position that you would if, if it was in your daughter, if it was your, your daughter with your condition, you would quite happily, not happily, that's the wrong word, you'd take, you, you'd take oh, that away from her. Well, you'd take, you, I, they could have my good eye as long as Jasmine never had to have a cold. That's it, yeah. it's... Um, and it's a very it's it's a very different situation in some sense. Very the same, you know. And you, I think in a, in life in general, you don't realise what your parents go through until you hit that age where you have children yourself and you see back. And that's with everything, isn't it? But it's just more pronounced when it is a person with a disability. You know, you you see actually they've they've been by your bedside all this time. And I, I think with Kala. Um, the expectation or, uh, is totally different to what yours would have been. Yeah. Um, but if the, because back in the 80s, foreign meningitis was taking limbs and people coming brain damaged. I mean, I lost my eyes, which is a um, terrible sacrifice, but so, I mean, God forbid it did to me like Kala or someone like that. That's it. It's... Uh... Uh, but with with Kala, the expectation is the same. It's just the achievements are different. Yes. I don't know whether I'm saying, saying that no, right, no, but you kind of uh, you don't lower. But her achievements are so much greater than like my other two children who get good school reports. Whereas you know you, that's and that's great, that's brilliant. But actually, Kala's achievement to, to be able to crawl yeah. far outweighs that. Um, in terms of because of what the struggle she goes through to do that, you know, the achievement of, of not needing oxygen full time and things like that. So, uh, you know, the, she she still she achieves and she blows my mind more. Um, but on the same sense, my other two children, they they go through all this with us. You know, we spent two months of last year in hospital in the in the blazing. You know, it's sunny this time last year pretty much, and uh, they they still kill it at school. They're still you know they're very caring children. They just uh, they get on with it, and they're, they're brilliant. They're brilliant with Kala. And how, remar and... <clears throat> how remarkable that is! I mean, love is such a phenomenal thing, isn't he? And like my big brother uh, Richie Dill, ten years older, and he was the one when I was um, diagnosed in the coma because we hadn't got a house phone back then. Mom come out, and I was dead in Mom's arms, and Richie was having to run down the road to tell Nan to phone the hospital to run back to run. And it's amazing how strong family is in the worst of times. Like your two babies, our Richie, and they don't... I, I said to Richard, did you fall off the rails because of me? And he said, no, I've only ever loved you and I've only ever wanted you to be 
well and happy and that's like your two isn't it yeah, you don't begrudge them because you needed a bit more extra time off mommy and daddy yeah. they sometimes were put on the back shelf but never once and I guarantee your babies will be the same I've never begrudged them or well dad never took me fishing because I was you're at the bloody hospital yeah. it's in truth, I suppose your parents are the same as I feel. Sometimes I feel like um, you're neglecting them um, because of that reason. Uh, whether they feel that way is, is uh, well, we'd have to speak to them to find that out, in truth. But you definitely have that feeling that, uh, you know, all your attention is on one one child and, and, and not all of them, especially when she's ill in, in hospital. You know, my kids literally will go weeks really without seeing us um because we're there by the bedside uh, and you're talking you know this is not your everyday situation of a few weeks in hospital and everything being be fine this is this is life and death um she may you know we were told <coughs> excuse me we were told when 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 we went in uh, last summer that she, she she probably wouldn't make it um we we're told that a couple of times and, and we we're told when she started to when they started taking off the uh, the drugs to put her in an induced coma, that she'd be severely brain damaged. Um, so you know, you, it's not your everyday situation or illness. Uh, so you are by the bedside constantly at that point, and that does mean that your other two children are shipped from pillar to post. To be quite honest, they go around. Luckily, we've got friends and family, and they're all brilliant, and they and they uh, they take care of them and and try and keep them as occupied as possible but that's still in your mind you know you are you do feel like you're neglecting them how old are they now so lily is 10 and alfie has just gone eight for your sake i'm glad you remembered their ages <laughs> i know you put me on the spot there didn't you? <laughs> lucky it was alfie's birthday a couple of weeks ago no no i always remember them and my wife's anniversary and oh, i know you just brown nosing <laughs> No, but no. isn't it wonderful how strong children can be? We we always hear about how spiteful and how cruel children can be at school, but they can also be so strong and so loving and resilient. 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 It's, it's it's phenomenal, really. How which again we've had countless ambulances turn up to our house and um, you know blue lights go in and and the first couple of times the kids are you know all nervous and crying and because the ambulance is here now my lad sits on the sofa and it's like nothing's happening mm. he's that he's got that used to it and that resilient to it that it's yeah he's worried but he, he's you know the pat the, the, the same panic is not quite there as it used to be it's, uh, yeah so resilient to it all and it and wouldn't surprise me if he goes into later years being a paramedic or being something like that because he, he can react and you just don't know, do you? Well, I think he, he wants to be a YouTuber. Um, well. Don't blame him. <laughs> don't blame him one bit, to be totally honest. I can see my daughter probably more going into that side. She has a very, that caring nature, my eldest. She has that caring nature and that worry, um, that motherly uh, instincts mm. already there. And I suppose that's been heightened through Kelly, you know. Uh, she does she does take some of the burden off us looking after her and... and uh, and, and feeding and, and changing feeds and that kind of thing and so yes obviously her doing it we touched on something the other day when it was me you and the other blokes talking saying about how people react to seeing Calla sometimes yeah and they don't want to come over or they don't like look I, I think it's 
I think they they don't know what to do. I think I think is the key to it. You know, they don't know they they don't know what to say. They don't know what yeah. They just don't know what to do in that situation. So I'll tell you all now. Come over and speak to me because I'll explain it, and you can meet mm. my daughter, who's amazing. Um, and don't be shy about it. I much prefer that you ask questions than than just ignore us or ignore her. You know, or or, or just stare at us. And the same goes for children. You know, we've had children. Um, she has quite a flashy wheelchair, so all the all the the, the children think it's uh, amazing and want to come up and and talk. And you see their parents pull them back. Don't let, let them come up. You know, there's there's nothing nothing to provide of. You can't ask us the wrong question. We we've we've heard it all. To be totally honest with you, you know, in that sense, Isn't you, that you funny? can't put your foot in it. Not with not with me. Enough funny what you said though. Children also naturally curious and we we teach them not to be curious yeah whereas if you if jasmine come up to Calla and we had we'd never met and said like what's wrong with her daddy and just, instead of saying oh don't, don't say that don't, don't don't offend don't offend instead of going she's just a pretty little girl let's go and find out or yeah. would you like to say hello to her jazzy yeah that's it that's it exactly and i suppose you because of of what you've gone through you're more inclined to do that than than most people to actually take her up there and explain it and you know, there's nothing wrong with being inquisitive. Nothing let, at all. Yeah, let that happen. Don't. Yeah, definitely don't shout them for being inquisitive. Come up and ask. It used to make me laugh when I was growing up, and I'd explain to someone that had a um, bad vision, and they'd come nose to nose and go, "Hello, are you?" A-? I'm thinking, I'm visually impaired. I'm not deaf. I'm <laughs> definitely not an imbecile. <laughs> oh well. Oh, that's debatable. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely debatable there, Kev. And but it's funny how people will ask or they'll say, What can you see? Can I try my best to explain it through different mediums? But for me, like so I lost my eyes uh, thirty two years ago. I've seen every day since, so it's hard to explain in terms that you would have to understand because I'm used to seeing it this way. But the best way I can say is like of um silhouettes or um Instead of seeing a photograph, I see a finger painting, the same picture without all the details, like I'm sat here facing Lee now, but I wouldn't be able to tell you what colour his eyes are or if he had any blemishes, but I can still see the person. I know it's Lee because I've known Lee for a long time, but sometimes I get confused if someone was wearing a different top or if I see someone at the gym and that's him in the pub or vice versa. And so sometimes I get used to recognising where I believe people should be. But, when pe- but I've never been frightened to ask uh, to answer questions because I think that is the greatest form of knowledge instead of reading a book or watching a YouTube if you go and talk to someone about what they are going through you'll have more truth it's not fake news it's not doctored it's it's pure and that's one of the many reasons why we started this uh, podcast today and when it was just down to two blokes instead of the four blokes me and Lee said well why don't we talk about this it's a an issue we've known each other for 20 odd years and maybe this conversation could be a good bridgeway of us talking about stuff that we probably haven't talked about. I remember when Callow Rose got diagnosed and going through it with Lee and he's known me for a long period of my life and we thought what an interesting talk. It's it's quite amazing actually Kev seeing you because obviously I've, I've known you a long time and it's never I've never seen it affect you or you've never shown it really that it's affected you apart from the uh, probably the last five years I think we've talked more 
openly about things because of, of my situation as well. And I think just in general, the mental health side of things is coming more to the forefront. Um, but up until that, and I suppose we were younger, so when you're 16, 17 years old, you don't show these things. Actually, all you want to do is go out and get pissed and, and in Kev's garage, you know, that was yeah. kind of what we did. Um, but I, um, yeah, it's it's a great in- inspiration um, for me to see that and to see actually my daughter is not going to be able to do the things you do. I know that, but you can still see that there is achievements you can achieve, you know, it's it's not all over of it it's it's just the beginning really um and it is as you said at the start it's achievable goals yeah it's like me sat here now we're in the boxing gym going this time next year i'm gonna be a multi-millionaire i'm gonna run my own company and thinking why have i aimed so high yeah why don't i set uh, well in next year i'm gonna be slightly better off and the next year i'm gonna be slightly better off or yeah uh, i'm a bit overweight i'm gonna lose five stone by next month you go Next week, I'm going to have lost half a K. The week after, mm. if we set ourselves achievable goals, then when we achieve them, we find another goal. Well, I mean, on that note, this year actually was the first year that I've done this with my children. All my children, me and my wife have done it. We've set ourselves three goals at the start of the year. Now, I'm doing terrible. I'll open <laughs> at the moment. I'm doing terrible. My other two children, my two eldest, they've both achieved one of their goals. Um, we've set a goal for Calla, and this was to not spend as much time in hospital, which is a bizarre goal, to be totally honest. Well, she can't a really pure affect, goal. She can't really affect that, but, you know, if she's ill, she's ill. But actually, she's done really well of it. Another goal of hers was to be able to... Um, take steps aided so whether it be with me or my wife holding her or, or, or things like that and I think these are achievable things and you have to do mm. that you have to still no matter what your situation is is, is set those goals um, for yourself and it gives you a good sense of achievement when you do complete them don't set yourself too high goals and if you don't quite do it don't put yourself don't on the cross definitely Try your best or do your best. I hate that expression, try. If I try to do something, I'll never do it. Do everything to the best of your ability. Yeah. And if you come short, it's okay. Yeah. Just do better or do something different next time. That's right. That's definitely right. But what Lee was saying earlier, babe, I've been more open the last five years. Um, I've got a four-year-old daughter and I'm 35, coming 36 this year. And I think older you get you become more open and then having a daughter and I want to spread, spread it around that life is cruel, but life is bloody beautiful. It's, it's hard, but it's so rewarding and it can be so fun. Even in your darkest days, try and find some glimmer of light because depression, be it through disability, circumstance, loss, it's going into that dark room. And longer you're in that room, Harder it is to come out, and you walk through a door, and then around the corner it turns into a maze. And the longer you're in there, it's so hard. And if you are lucky enough to have people to guide you back there with encouraging words and shine that bit of thought, that bit of light of hope, by the grace of God, you can come out of it. And I think by talking, truly talking or truly listening, showing your flaws and your insecurities, it can make a difference. And that's why it's only about six weeks ago, me and a group of lads who've never met each other, apart from like through the boxing gym, getting here and talking about our own struggles. Can I uh, ask you a question, Kev, just on regards to, because we're, we're talking course. about dif- disabilities. So 
I forgot what I was going to ask, to be honest. <laughs> so, so have you talked to your mum and dad about what they felt at that time, obviously, many years ago now when, when, when it happened on that side? I, I have. Um, I have uh, a fair few times, especially now I'm a, a dad. I think that was the, the light bulb moment when Jasmine had a cold or she was feeling shitty. And I thought, bloody hell, and I was worried and worried. And I thought, this is over her having the sniffles or a cough. I thought, well, how about me having meningitis all those years ago and they didn't know if I was going to wake up and they didn't know all this. And I sat down with um, Mama Fair a few times. She's just an absolute angel. She sat with me every night in the hospital, sleeping on the floor or whatever. And I talked to my dad and he, he said, I felt like I was being punished for all the wrong that I did when I was younger. And I've talked to other parents, and that's like this, um, it's a common theme, that if your child is taken away, or if your child gets poorly, it's like the universe or God or whatever you believe in is punishing you for it. And I don't believe that to be true. I just think it's one of them fucking unlucky things. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally, I mean, I've heard a million and one times there's that phrase that uh, God only deals its hardest battles to strongest people, something along, yeah. along that line. And I don't believe that at all. I think naturally the situation makes you strong. Uh, you, know, I don't, you know, I think it's just that you're in that position and a lot of the time you just have no choice. You yeah. just have no choice at all of what, you know, of what's going to happen or what's going on. And you, you, you build your strength from that. Well, the only choice you do have is if you stay or you go. go. And, uh, to me, that's no choice. That's no choice. <laughs> yeah, that's just not not really a choice in it. To abandon the thing that you love the most yeah. at the most critical times. Yeah. But how many people have done it? Yeah. You know, they haven't had that strength to stay there and be there. I experience uh, that quite a bit within within my work, um, basically to do with disability equipment, and there's a lot of single moms mostly actually uh, with disabled children and if you speak to them a lot of that is because their partner couldn't couldn't handle um, a child with disability uh, I think a lot a lot of it is um, they don't stay around long enough to see the beauty in it mm. as well if that makes sense and that's not knocking the blokes no, because no, everyone's got their reason circumstances but as you said I mean very strong character but saying they haven't stayed that long to when and there again there's so many dads and mothers who've abandoned the child uh, when they're young and then I've had dark days, dark days and Jazzy will just do something so soft and the light just comes back into that dark room and you're having the worst day and she'll say something so soft or so funny or she'll give you a cuddle or a kiss or whatever it is and it's a whole new day again. Yeah, yeah that's right. So. Uh, can I ask you what your greatest fear is regarding your disability? You know, I know the children. But... It's funny, I said this um, with Alan, um, Alan, Aaron, when he asked me, I said, my fears, I love it, I'm fighting, I've had loads of fights, win, lose or draw. It's not about public speaking, it's not even about doing this. I don't have the same amount of nerves as other people, but a lot of things I'm frightened about, it's like when I, I go out, especially now I've got jazz and if she leaves, loses my... She comes out of eye range and I panic and I can't see her, so I start shouting to find her because my world's there, or about like crossing roads, like because I might not see the car come in. So, a lot of my fears are um, you wouldn't even consider it. Like, sometimes, like, because 
I'm blind in my left eye, so depth perception. So sometimes when I'm walking, I don't know if it's a step, a curb, if it's a shadow of a lamppost, but that could be a lamppost, could be a step. So I'm always on ultra alert. So a lot of the stuff that frightens me or gives me the anxiety, it's just a day-to-day -day life for you. But a lot of stuff that I just don't give a kipper's dick about is a big thing to others. So fear is fear. And um, yeah, and I think other things I'm frightened of, I mean, I'm not frightened, but a lot of stuff that makes me sad is uh, like when Jasmine's doing performances or something that I can't fully witness it. She'll never know this, well, apart from when she's old enough and she listens to this or like she had a dance recital the other day and I was on front row centre and I still couldn't see it, but I clapped and I was, or when she's done a thing's a place, going to have to stand at the back or at the side. It doesn't matter if I can see it in, for her, as long as she knows that daddy's there and he's very, very proud. Yeah. But at the same time, it does upset me because I want to witness everything that she does. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of my... Uh, all but, I mean, I kind of know that um, with Keller, uh, I will outlive her uh, mm. unless, something, unless something goes horribly wrong in, with me. Um, but also that I spend so much time the regret I'll have at that point because I spend so much time actually working and doing other things that I'm not there and ultimately at that point none of this stuff that I do with regards to work or my own social life will matter you know yeah. uh, that's a big fear the regret I'll have at that point um, but I still have to work we still have to earn money mm -hmm. you know we still have to pay our way so that's that's kind of the way it is uh, but it is a big a big and does that weigh heavy right. on you? Oh, definitely. That weighs really heavy on me. I, I did counselling at the start of this year, and, and a lot of that counselling was around that because I kind of, and I still really, uh, that's not really got any better. I don't think it will because of the situation. Mm. Uh, you know, that's, how do you get that kind of that Well, that's not even losses. It's the dread of loss. It is, definitely, definitely. I mean, I know I, I'm certain it's going to happen, It's and that's going to be awful uh, you know you but can't not describe. knowing when not knowing when that's mm. that's and and the regret i'll feel at that point of not being able to spend as much time as i'd like uh, in a company while you can yeah i really feel for you because i said that when you've lost someone then you start to accept it but the realization but not knowing when or how and but a greater god is in many years and she has progress and science gets better. But yeah, I feel for you, bro. Yeah, there's no, uh, you know, and it is what it is. There's no, there's no magic cure at the moment for any of that. And it is something I'll just have to live with, to be totally honest. I'm not sure if I went counselling for the next 20 years, that would go away. It is one of those, one of those things. And we all know at some point we're going to die. But you, I think you, when you have children, you expect to outlive them, no. uh, and that's a step and no doubt at some point your mom and dad had the, that yeah. that same feeling. Well, when dad uh, was in there, cause he used to come and read me bedtime stories about King Kevin and the lion, and he'd be reading stories. And my dad's a storyteller, brilliant bloke, Bob Dylan, best friend. And he used to sit there, and other children would come listening to him, whose mommy and daddy's hadn't come to see him. So dad'd be telling stories about Kevin fighting Mumra and all this and then one day he'd go where's little lee today to one of the nurse and go sorry mr dylan he passed away in the night 
and he, he said he, he he killed him. Yeah. And because um, that's my dad all over, such a caring person. That's where I get it from. But it's the battles that we have to go through. And now, may I just say something on the on the way? When you're feeling down, because this is when um, this used to get to me, and I'd say I'm, I'm feeling really down about something. My girlfriend's left, or they go, "Well, how about Kevin? He's blind." Or how about Lee? His daughters. Don't feel guilty about someone else being bad. It's okay for you to feel bad yourself. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's where we put it on to people. We start to make them feel guilty. I feel poorly. Well, think about all them Africans in Africa. Did it? At the time, you couldn't give a fuck about the Africans because you're going for your own stuff. That's, all, that's definitely right. And you can never compare what each other's going through. At the end of the day, you're not in each other's head or not in each other's shoes. The one thing I will say, I heard a good saying the other day, and, and that is that uh, silence is the perpetrator's best friend. Now, this person was talking about sexual abuse, but... It actually works the same because your silence, your your perpetrator, your head, it, it, you know that's his best friend. Not talking to people mm. helps that that side, you know. So actually talk. Mm. Uh, and that has took me, as my wife uh, is well aware, I'm not a talker myself. It took me a long, long five years really to to uh, get help for counselling. Mm. And in truth, if it wasn't, I had high blood pressure, and if it wasn't for that, I still probably wouldn't have wouldn't have done that. But uh, you definitely feel the benefit of doing it. So, and it's not for everyone. At the end of the day, I don't think. Uh, in truth, I don't think counselling fully worked for me in that sense. But you've got to try these things. It did. It did help, but it didn't help as much as I think I'd like it. Like do it for it too. But you've got to do these things. You've got to try. If you are depressed, try antidepressants. Again, it might not work for you, but. You can try and you know, and then you go on and try and find another another solution. I think you've got to be open to these things. That's life all over, isn't it? Mm. Don't be frightened of not doing something because it might not work or it might go and try it for yourself. And I think a lot of this stuff, uh, counselling, NLP, hypnosis, yoga, meditation, if there was one diet that could fix us all, we'd all be on that diet. And I think counselling, NLP, and all these things are the same. What works for some, someone has to do um, uh, a technique to forget about it. Someone has to come to terms with it. Someone has, so we've got to try and find what's good for you. And I think the best thing, as Lee said, is don't be silent about your struggles. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying stand there screaming and crying all the time. But go talk to the right people, be it your friend, your mother, your sister, your wife, your, and start talking, because it's helped me so much. By opening the door and not feeling like I'm gonna get bullied or ridiculed or mugged off or teased has really helped me. And you'll be surprised how many good souls there are to listen to you. Yeah, that's definitely right. That's definitely right. Find find your medicine. I think. The, the find your to, medicine. The key to it, um, and try them all out. Yeah. Well, gang, we're coming to an end, so I'm going to find you a quote, and this one is on uh, from the great Muhammad Ali, and it is, "If my mind can conceive it, my heart can believe it, then I can achieve it." Until next time, gang, ta-ra-a-bit.
Listen, listen, listen.